proud. Uh, as you know, I've been privileged to lead a ministry in Birmingham uh, now for over 30 years. And we uh, thank you for trusting us with your students. So many of you guys have allowed your students to come to our conferences over the years. Uh, we've kind of branched out when we can. This pandemic's kind of kept us um, quiet for the, you know, for the last six months, I guess. But we also, we do some senior adult conferences also. So um, I've realized there's not a lot of difference between a student conference and a senior adult conference. Now there's some. Like a, a student conference, you're going to bed at 4 a.m. <laughs> at a senior adult conference, y'all are getting up at 4 a.m., y'all. You want your coffee, and so that's that's fine. And uh, and I we were doing a a conference. I guess it was a couple of years ago, and I had a lady walk up to me. And uh, I don't know if y'all know this, but sometimes senior adults will tell you just exactly what's on their brain. They don't beat around the bush. And they she walked up to me and she said, Scott, I am 70 years of age. I've never been married, but I haven't given up yet. And I thought I like you already. And she went and she told me a story. She said every night before I go to bed. She's, she goes through the same routine. She gets a pair, a pair of men's trousers, and she hangs it on the closet door, and she gets down on her knees and says the same prayer every single night. It was so... I had her write it down. I have it in the back of my Bible. Here's what she prays. She says, Father, hear my prayer. Grant it if you can. <laughs> I've hung a pair of trousers here. Please fill them with a man. Amen. And then she goes to bed. Is that not awesome? I'm telling you, I, I just love that kind of spunk. That you gotta have inside life. And man, I'm telling you, this is the year where you gotta have spunk in you. Amen? I mean, you gotta have some go get it attitude because it is just kinda shut down all around us. Uh, like Nathan was telling you earlier, I'm, uh, I've been his friend for many years. His mom and dad, uh, poured into me. His dad was actually, I don't know if you told him this, he was my Sunday school teacher. And, uh, he, uh, he taught me a principle that I have now taught to our kids. And it was all about trick-or-treating. When you go out trick-or-treating, uh, we went out back in those days when I was young. It was just the thing to do. And, man, you get, like, pillow, ba- pillow uh, uh, cases full of candy. And uh, we got back to the church. We all did it together. We got back to the church, dumped it all out. And he was talking about first fruits being of the Lord. And he said, you know, the Lord really demands 10%. We want you to get out 10% of your candy. And we want to just give it to the Lord. Now, I was probably eight years of age. So if you're telling an eight-year-old you got to give up some candy, I was getting all the ones I don't like. You know, all those atomic fireballs, you know, the bits of honey. I'm keeping the Snickers. So I, I was all, and then he, he just kind of hit me between the eyes. He said, no, no. He told the whole group, he said, some of you are giving the candy or the leftovers. But Scripture teaches us first fruit. And man, from that moment on, it changed my entire life about what you give to the Lord. You give out of your excess. You don't give out of your what you want to throw away. Something that I've always kind of... I know y'all didn't pay for that, but it's just... I mean, I'm telling you, I'm thankful for the Daniels family. And I hope you're thankful for your pastor. Could we just give the Lord just a praise offering for your pastor, his family, leading through a very difficult, difficult time. I'm telling you, this has been... If I hear, hear the term unprecedented one more time, I'm going to kick somebody. Because, I mean, it is unprecedented. These are tough times. I'm telling you, folks, that our ministry, you know what we do? We try to get as many people as humanly possible under one roof. Not a good year for us. So I, I, it's, a, it's a very strange time. But I want to talk to you this morning on something the Lord's just kind of been wrestling with me about. I want you to take your Bibles. Turn with me to John chapter 14. 
John chapter 14, and we're going to catch Jesus in kind of um, uh, mid-thought here, okay? We're going to kind of catch him as he's discussing some things with his disciples. And I want you to go down to verse 25, and I'll try to explain it after we get done reading the passage. So look down with me. I'm reading from the New King James Version. John chapter 14, I think they're going to put it on the screen, starting in verse 25. He says, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Now look at the next phrase. And bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. Remember, he's telling them, I've already told you this stuff before. Now in verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. There's ever been a message for 2020 for the Church of America. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. Let's pray. Father, our heads are bowed, our hearts are open. All across this room, Lord, I know there's people that are transitioning into a new school year. A lot of us in this room that's wondering what's going to happen tomorrow. Lord, we know that you hold it in your precious hands. I pray that you give encouragement to those who need encouragement, challenge to those who need challenge, inspiration to those who just need a word of inspiration. But Father, the lives that need to be changed, only you can do it. So it's our prayer that you show up, because when you show up, you show off. Lord, we pray that through everything that goes on here this morning, we give you the praise, you the glory, you the honor, because quite frankly, you're the only one in this room who deserves it. We pray our prayer in the name that is above every other name, Jesus Christ, Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever been caught in a storm? Have you ever been in just one of those situations where a storm comes out of nowhere and it catches you blindsided? It's not a cool feeling. It's one of those, especially if you're out deep sea fishing and you're out there and you're really not already, you know, mature enough to be on the water enough because you just never do it. But it caught us blindsided and all of a sudden a gentle, calm day started having eight foot waves hit up against the side of the ship. I don't mind telling you what happened to me. I acted like a little kid, screamed like a baby, and lost my lunch that day. All right? So it was caught off guard. But there's something I've realized about storms. You can't always predict storms. And I'm going to share one other thing with you that I think every one of us can relate to. Storms are scary. Now, it could be when you're young and there's a thunderstorm. It could be when you're older on a deep-sea fishing trip. It could be when you're driving down, uh, you know, Main Street and a gully washer hits you off, all of a sudden. Uh, it, it just auto- automatically takes you off kilter. Well, I've realized not only are the physical storms scary, the personal storms are scary. Now, these are the type of storms you don't see on Doppler radar. They're not out there in the five-day business planner's forecast. And sometimes, just like in a physical storms, they hit you blindsided. Let's all be honest about it. Let's just hit the elephant in the room. There's no way any of us in this room this morning would have predicted a pandemic in 2019 would have hit us in 2020. I mean, there are people that are experiencing economic loss. There's a lot of us who have experienced experiential loss. Things that we usually do, we cannot do. There's people who've lost their jobs. There's people who've lost their health. We don't want to make light of this pandemic. It is a very serious issue. 
But ladies and gentlemen, let's just all be honest. I think we'd all agree there's a new phrase I want to put out there. We're just pandemic pooped out. We're discouraged. We don't know where to turn. We get conflicting information. One day it's wear this, it's one day do that. And everywhere we turn we go, man, where in the world is common sense in a world that's out of control? I just want to bring it back to Scripture now. Because that's about where the disciples are. In fact, they're going through a storm of epic proportion. If I can just give you a review of their life, for those of you who may not be that familiar with the disciples... They're the 12 men who Jesus said, follow me. They left their nets and they started following. And everywhere he went, crowds just started to to gather. I mean, remember at the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. The average person was like, this is what we've been waiting on. And they started jumping on in droves. And then Jesus started saying, you know, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to deny yourself Take up your cross and follow me. And the people started going, whoa, this is not what we signed up for. And then if you get into John chapter 6, when Jesus starts describing uh, the, 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 the future communion, the ordinance of the church, the, the, the Lord's Supper, he described it like this. He said, you won't be one of mine unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Now, he's talking about the Lord's Supper. But according to Scripture, at that moment, people went, this is too much for us. And they jumped off the bandwagon as quickly as they had jumped on. So the, the disciples are going through a dispersing of the crowd. Okay, the crowds are gone. Kind of like our churches were closed for the last four months. Not only to make matters worse, but Jesus takes the disciples into the upper room. And that's in John chapter 13. I'm getting to our context. And when he takes them to the upper room, he announces who's going to betray him. Now, who's going to betray him? Who's going to turn him into the Sanhedrin? There's not one of these anti-Jesus protesters out there. It's Judas Iscariot. If I, if I failed to say this, please understand, Judas Iscariot is one of the twelve disciples. Judas Iscariot is one of the twelve that has lived with Jesus for three years. He's heard Jesus teach. He saw Jesus perform the miracles And now he's going to be the one who's going to betray him to the Sanhedrin. And as soon as Judas leaves that room, now we find ourselves coming to John chapter 14. The disciples, the 11 remaining, are in the upper room. The crowds are gone. Rumors are swirling. Now they've had one of their best friends turn their back on them. I know it's not written here in John chapter 14, but I can't help but believe one of the 11 remaining disciples had to have this thought go through his head. What else can go wrong? Have you ever been there? Some of you are like, man, I was there last week. What else can go wrong? You want to just throw your hands up in the air and go, what? 2020. Don't you want to go home and put up your Christmas tree and just hope 2021 is next week? You know, but it's like, what else can go on in 2020? Right, listen to what Jesus says, and I want you to go back to verse 25. Let, let me bring this to your remembrance. He says, these things I've spoken to you while being present with you. I think it's very interesting that Jesus reminds his disciples, I've already told you this stuff before. Look down in verse 26. Look at the end of verse 26. And he says, and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. That is the second reference of Jesus going, hey, I've already told you this stuff before. I don't know about you, but... 
for me, the million dollar question is, what in the world has Jesus been trying to tell his disciples that that has gone over their heads? And at their moment of, of, of their lowest point, Jesus is going, don't forget. I didn't give you this verse, and I'm so sorry, but look down in verse 28. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, you have heard me say to you. Now, that is the third reference in four verses where Jesus is going, I've already told you this stuff before. Parents, have you ever had to tell your kids something three times? When it hits that third time, our ears perked up. So I believe all the disciples at this moment, they're listening in. And listen to what Jesus says in verse 28. You have heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice. You know what he's telling his disciples? He's saying, I know you don't understand this, but I've got to go to the cross. And I realize that you may be sitting here this morning going, Scott, you don't understand. We're in the midst of a pandemic. There's chaos everywhere. And we come to church on a Sunday morning and you're going to stand up there and say something as elementary as Jesus died on the cross. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. The message will never change. Jesus had to die on the cross. He had to die on the cross because we all got a problem. I know we don't like to discuss it. But we all have one thing in common. You may not know me, I may not know you, but we got one thing in common, and that is we've all sinned. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you don't believe me, let me ask you a question. If you've ever told a lie in your entire life, I'm not talking about just this morning, it's Sunday. But if you've ever told a lie in your entire life, would you just raise your hand right now? Raise it up, keep it up, keep it up for just a second. Some of you are like popcorn, okay? Keep it up, and I want you to look around the room right now. Look around the room. Do you see all the hands of all the other liars that came to church on Sunday morning, okay? So, you can put your, you're not the only one in the room. How did we all become alive? It's very weird that when we are birthed from our mother's womb, no one has to teach us how to be bad. That's the reason you have to have mops, mothers of preschoolers. Why? Because parenting's a tough job. We don't teach our kids how to be bad. They come out knowing how to be bad. I've been preaching since I was a teenager. I had a sermon when I was at, I had no business preaching this message, but I had a sermon when I was a teen, teenager entitled, Ten Surefire Ways to Raise Godly Kids. <laughs> had no business preaching that. I was not married at the time. Now that I'm married and I have kids, we, I may use it, but I've changed the message to three suggestions that may or may not work. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it's just, it's the difference between theory and reality. I mean, in theory, you can stand up there and be academic, but in reality, ladies and gentlemen, we're all sinners. Every one of us, where does that come from? You've got to go back to the Garden of Eden. And it's in the Garden of Eden that you discover the woman was deceived, but the man, Adam, deliberately disobeyed. And from that moment on, sin has flown through the veins of every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. We're sinners before a holy God. Jason, you sang about holy, holy, holy. You know how incredibly rich that is in Scripture? Man, we love to talk about the love of God and the forgiveness of God. I challenge you, ladies and gentlemen, listen to this message. You'll never go home and read in your Bible where it says three times, He is loving, loving, loving. You'll never read where it says He's forgiving, forgiving, forgiving. But you always, always read, He is holy, holy, holy. Man, you can't sidestep that. You can't treat the attributes of God 
like it's some buffet we used to partake in. You don't get a buffet now. But anyway, you, you don't get a, a chance to say, I want His grace and I want His mercy and I want His love and that holiness. No, I'll st- sidestep that. You can't understand because of His holiness, I am separated from God. I can't come to God even on my best day. But here's the good news. You want to know what the gospel message is? When I couldn't come to Him, He came to me. For 33 years He walked among us. And ladies and gentlemen, He never once said, thank me. He never even said, pay me. You know what he said? Follow me. Because he went to the cross. And when he went to the cross, he did something for me I could not do for myself. And like it or not, he did something for you you could not do for yourself. He paid the debt of our sin. And you see, Jesus is all God like he's no man. He's all man like he's no God. When I was growing up, the preachers would call him the God man. I think, that's so cool. You'll never understand it until you see him on the cross. Because when he was on the cross with one hand, he is firmly grasped to God's deity. Why? Because he's all God. But with the other hand, because he's all man, he could reach out for the sinfulness of mankind. And when he lifted him up, Jesus became the one who bridged the gap between God and man together again. It means there's hope. And I know some of you are sitting here going, man, thank you so much for coming, giving us this rah-rah. Well, let me tell you, you know what I'm very fearful of right now? The greatest fear I have is not COVID. In fact, if you were to say the top 10 things I'm very afraid of, COVID doesn't even get in the top 20. But my greatest fear is that in the church of America, we're not dealing with people who don't know about God. The greatest fear I have is the majority of churchgoers don't know God. And you may be sitting here this morning going, Scott, I believe everything you said. Can I just remind you, according to the book of James, even the demons in the pit of hell recognize there's a God? Do you know they realize Jesus died on the cross? So where's the disconnect? I, I feel like we're experiencing it right now in our country. Because go back to John chapter 14. I skipped over verse 27. Here's where I want to focus in on for the next few moments. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Notice what Jesus is offering us. I think that's what the, the, the disconnect is. So many people are thinking that Jesus is some Santa Claus up there. And all you have to do is just give him your wishes and it's granted for you. And that's not what Scripture teaches. He says, I'm not going to give you possessions. I'm not going to give you pleasure. I'm going to give you peace. In fact, if all the world needed was, was possessions and, and pleasure, let's all agree, Hollywood would be the bastion of tranquility. There would be self-help books out there about get to Hollywood and find yourself. All you have to do is just watch the news stories on television of lives unraveling before their eyes. In fact, uh, let, let me just give you a couple of uh, statements real quick. I have about six journals I carry with me of quotes because I, I'm very interested in people we pay to entertain us because they have influence. And as a leader, you influence the influencers. You could have people like Cameron Diaz, who says, I hate people. And when I say I hate people, I count myself. I haven't done anything drastic to change the world nor prove that I even like myself. Madonna in Us magazine was asked, are you a happy person? She said, no, I'm not a happy person. Most of the time I'm discouraged. I feel like demons are tormenting me day and night. But one day I hope to be a happy person. Kanye West, who we had the privilege of being at our conference this past January where some of your students were attending, when he called and told me he was coming, he gave me his testimony. I'll never forget his testimony. He said, I was, I was, they, they had me locked up. They were trying to medicate me. He said, Scott, I, I didn't need medication. I needed salvation. He said, I've been around Jesus all my life. 
just never met him. He said, when I met him, he changed my life. Now, he still has a long road to go. I'm convinced he's a brother in Christ. And I'm going to tell you, probably one of the saddest interviews I've ever read was in GQ. They were interviewing a guy by the name of Harrison Ford, one of the most successful movie stars in Hollywood's history. He answered a question by saying these words, quote, I've come to the point of realizing you only want out of life what you don't have, end quote. The reporter followed it up. The next question was, what is it that you do not have? And Harrison Ford said a one-word response. Listen, a one-word response. Peace. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says, what does it profit a person if you can gain the entire world and lose your own soul? This morning, I'm telling you, the invitation is not for you to come and join a a, a powerful philosophy. It's not for you to come and join a religion. It is for you to come and trust the one who can meet your innermost need. It's the one that will never fail you. The one that will never leave you. The one that will never leave you wanting. It is the one named Jesus. And he says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. And this morning, you can walk out of here a brand new person. Man, I wish I could make the decision for you, but I can't. It has to be your decision. In fact, I'm going to tell you right now, I know we're just getting back into being alive inside of our services, but understand something. The person beside you can't make this decision for you. It doesn't matter what they do. This is your decision. In fact, I've realized, you know there's a major difference between image and integrity? Image, you know what image is. Image is what other people think about you. Image is pretty good. I mean, it's not bad, and especially by itself. Image, what other people think about you, dictates to us what we wear, how we act, where we go. Image is fine. The only problem exists is when your image overtakes your integrity. Now, let me explain the difference. Image is what other people think about you. Integrity is who you are. So in just a few moments, when we stand up and we have a time of invitation and Nathan's standing here at the front and you're sitting there and you know Christ does not live inside your heart. And if you think, if I go forward, what will other people think? Eh, wrong question. You don't worry about your image. You've got to concentrate on your integrity. You don't worry about what other people are thinking. You concentrate on your integrity of your marriage, of, of your life, of your dignity. That is where Christ starts speaking to us. Now, wouldn't it be great, let me just kind of clear this up. Wouldn't it be great if I were to say this morning that if you come to Jesus Christ, you'll never have another bad day? Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, come on, there's some people that you, you could have come in here and preach that kind of stuff. They, they almost say, if you come to Jesus, you'll never go through another bad day. I've only got one problem with that. <laughs> it's wrong, Amen. I don't know about y'all, but every time I read in Scripture, I start reminding myself that I am never exempted from pain and suffering in life. If you think about it, there's only one perfect person on this whole planet, and his name is Jesus. If anyone should have gotten out of here without any problems, it should have been Jesus. Do you know what the Bible says? He's a man of suffering, acquainted with grief. If he didn't get out of here without any problems, how dare I raise my hand and say, Hey, this this uh, this is unfair. But can I tell you, I believe some of us inside this room over the last few months, we have struggled with discouragement. We've discovered, we've, we've struggled with despair. And we've almost kind of shrunk ourselves in our own lives. I'm going to tell you something, folks. This is something the whole world needs to hear. In fact, according to the CDC mental survey in the last four months, listen to this astounding figure. They're saying that one in four People between the ages of 18 and 24 have contemplating ending their life in just the last month. Discouragement, despair reigns in our planet. Where's the difference in our lives? 
Probably the number one person I've met in the last ten years are men and women who warm the pews, they fill out the cards, they sing the songs, and they'd answer the question, I know when I die I'm going to heaven. But if they were just being honest and finishing the statement, they'd say, I'm just not enjoying my trip. And then you have some kind of special speaker, an evangelist. Usually it's always the evangelist. He comes in and they talk about victorious living. And, and you want to look at it? I'm, I'm right here with you. Look, show's over. Show's over. I'm just going to be straight up with you. Some of us just want to go, God, how in the world can we go out there and live a victorious life when we've been beaten and battered in the storms of life? Can I encourage you for just a moment? And you stole my thunder. You sang about it earlier. But you go back to verse 27. Let me, let me just kind of give, a, give you the insight. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Look at the next phrase. Not as the world gives do I give to you. What he is saying to his disciples is what I'm offering you, you can't find in some package, you can't find in some salary, you can't find in some vaccination. You, let not the world, is not as the world gives, do I give unto you. And then he goes on to say, let not your heart be troubled. Let me ask you, how many of you have ever heard the phrase, let not your heart be troubled? Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Where do you usually hear, let not your heart be troubled? Come on. Funeral. A Christian view. Man, pastors, we're, we're always going to preach John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. But we don't use verse 27. I've noticed something. We use verse 1. Would, would, you, would you look back on John 14, 1 real quick? Let me tie a bow on this and we're done. He says in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. It is the same grammatical structure as in verse 27. Remember when I started, I said, this is, Jesus says, I've already told you this stuff before. This is when Jesus begins to discuss it with them, okay? He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. If he was looking at Bethany and Andalusia right now, he'd go, hey, you believe in God. Good job. Not enough. Believe also in me. Put your faith and your trust in me. Why? Because Jesus never loses control. It'd be one thing if Jesus died on the cross and he lost control. You go, well, wait a minute. He died. Certainly when you die, you lose control. You, you, know, you don't understand the gospel message. When they placed his body in a tomb, do you remember what type of a tomb it was? What type? Come on. You know it. I know you don't. What type of a tomb? A borrowed. Gentlemen, we only borrow something with the intention of giving it back. Amen. That's good. You'll catch it later. All right, anyway, all right. So, that he died. I want you to understand, he didn't switch spirits with Simon. He didn't go up in the hole in the ozone layer. Jesus, you want to think about something this afternoon? God loved us so much, he'd rather die than to live without us. And they took his body off the cross, and they placed it inside of a borrowed tomb, and they put a big stone in front of it. And the whole world seemed to whisper, it's over, he's out of here. But on the third day, the Father simply said, arise, my love, and the stone was rolled away. The stone was rolled away not to let Jesus out. Please do not think in your mind, Jesus was cooped up inside some tomb, wrinkling his hands, going, man, I hope they don't forget about me. No, the stone was rolled away so that you and I can go inside and find that he who went in is no longer in. Ladies and gentlemen, he's out. He's alive. He came to this earth as a suffering servant. He went to the tomb as the crucified Christ, but on the third day he arose the exalted Son of the living 
God. He is above all. And you know what Paul says about him? That he has given him a name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things of heaven, of things of earth, of things under the earth. And that every tongue will declare. Every politician, every celebrity, every one of us will all declare Jesus Christ is what? To the glory of God the Father. Do you understand? He, if he was some plastic, moldable figure you put on your dashboard and you just kind of bowed to him three times a day, I'd say for us, man, it may be time for us to get a life. But we understand that he has conquered the grave. There is no pandemic that stands in his way. He is Lord over all creation. Okay. I don't know if... if Maybe it's just me. Some people go, Scott, I wish I could be that excited. Understand something. I want you to understand, excitement is not a personality. I just drink too much caffeine, okay? So I understand that. But do you understand what I'm talking about? Let me put it like, does anybody have a fear of height? Anybody got a fear of heights? Okay. All right. I'm right there with you. Man, fear of heights is is where, where I go. And I have to fly. Man, I have to fly all the time. And I tell people, I, I'm not afraid of being dead. It's the getting dead that kind of concerns me a little bit. All right? And so I'm, I'm flying out this week. Man, my, have y'all flown since this pandemic? It, it's a different world. I remember it was, it was, it was man, it was, it was before the pandemic happened. And I was flying on Delta. You got to fly Delta, probably. You know what Delta stands for? <laughs> Don't ever leave the airport. Anyway, um, I was getting on the plane. It was raining, and I got in my seat. And they gave me a window seat, and the pilot came across. I, I'm not adding anything to this. And if you're a pilot at Delta, I apologize. You're probably not the one, but he did say on the intercom as he was giving the welcome introduction, and he said talked about the weather. And he said, "Folks, we're about to attempt the takeoff." I thought to myself, if you're going to tempt it, why not go all the way? That seems like a good idea. And so he took us straight up, and he must have been a former fighter pilot because we hit those clouds head on. And I remember that plane. How many of you have been flying in a storm? Let me see your hands. Okay. You remember how eerily quiet it is? No peanuts being passed out. I mean, everybody's just quiet as a mouse. And I wish I could tell you I was being spiritual. I was scared, stinking to death. I mean, somebody bumped into me and I was like, we're going down. I mean, you know, it was like that. I I thought it was over. And then it happened. And I'll be honest with you, a boy from Birmingham, Alabama, and Inslee, I've never thought about this before in my life. But when that happened, I've never forgotten it. As soon as that plane broke through the last storm cloud, just above the storm clouds, the sun was shining. I'd never thought about that before in my life. Do you know what I've realized? The sun always shines. Sun, you know, I know, I know several hours ago it was dark here in, in Andalusia, but the sun was still shining. It, it doesn't call in sick, doesn't show up late. And, and I guarantee you, look, look, there's not one of us in this room, you woke up with almost an anxiety attack of wondering, is that sun going to show up this morning? You just knew it was going to be there. I don't know what you call it. don't know what it consists of. I'm not a scientist, but every one of us has our faith that the sun's going to be here. Could you imagine what would happen if the sun just blipped off for one second? 
It's that type of faith, it's that type of trust that I'm calling upon us to say, you know what? (laughs) Come pandemic, come loss of job, come confusion, discouragement. I'm placing my faith and trust because you know what the Bible says? Lo, I am with you, what? Have you ever thought of a time not confined by that word always? When life's going great, He's there. When life's falling apart, He's there. And maybe there's some who are here this morning. I, I know you came to church this thing. Do you probably just glad to have a crowd around, man? I mean, you, you, you want to see somebody besides the same people you see six days a week in your home. But maybe you're sitting there this morning and Jesus is knocking on your heart. Maybe, maybe he's right there going, you know, I'm the one you're really looking for. It's not a, it's not a principle. It's not one of these religions. It's, it's me. I can't, I can't do anything for you, but Jesus can change your life. And you know what I love? The greatest privilege I have is to meet someone and to say how Jesus changed my life. It's not by running up and down these aisles. It's not by screaming at the top of your lungs. The Bible has one verse that I like to use, Romans ten thirteen, says it very succinctly. Whosoever. You know why I like the word whosoever? It means us. It means you and me. It doesn't mean everyone but, but me. It means whosoever. Call. Upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word call is really the the main word in that verse. The word call means to stretch forth. Look at me. It it would be like if you were in a body of water and you were in too deep and you were struggling and you're about to go under and someone throws you a life preserver. At that moment, what are you going to do? You're going to grab it. Why? Because you need to be saved. Now, you could be sitting here this morning going, wait a minute. That person just saved himself. No, I've got to remind you. You're drowning. You can't save yourself. You you have to trust the life preserver. I'm not the life preserver. Bethany is not the life preserver. God just uses tools like this to throw the life preserver your way. We're talking about Jesus. So Paul says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I know no better way to lead a person to Christ than by a prayer. And for those of you who are out there that are going, wait a minute, there's not a prayer in Scripture you're supposed to pray. I'll agree to that, but can I also remind you of this? Throughout Scripture, there is the principle of prayer. And may I just go one step further? And Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet, says, if I have sin in my heart, the Lord's not going to hear me. We've already discussed. We've all sinned. We've all raised our hands. We've all admitted that. So the Lord's not going to hear our prayer. But you get to the New Testament and Paul says, pray without ceasing. So how do you go from God not hearing your prayer to Paul saying, pray without ceasing? You've got to go to Jesus. And Jesus is the one who met a religious person who thought he knew everything but still had one question. And the question was this, how can a man be born again? Jesus looked at him and said, Do not marvel at this. That which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. And he says these words. You must be born again. How are you born again? Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This morning, I'm not asking you to trust Scott. I'm not asking you to trust Bethany. I'm asking you to trust Jesus. Right there where you're sitting... No running up and down the aisles, just right there in the privacy of your own moment. Would you receive Jesus into your life if you've never met him before? I'm going to ask if you would, without much moving around, if you would just bow your head. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. With no one looking around, I just want you to get in your own evaluation mode. I'm not trying to ask anyone to doubt their salvation. I'm just asking you, does Jesus Christ live in your heart? Has he changed your life? If not... Would you just call out to Him? 
Would you just pray this prayer? I don't mind leading you. I, I, I tell people I, I, I'll be your, uh, I'll be your, um, uh, I can't, I won't be your travel agent. I'll just be your travel guide. I can't do it for you, but I'll be there with you when it happens. If you just pray this prayer, dear Jesus, I know I've done some things wrong, but I know you love me. To the point you sent your son. To die on the cross for me. So right now, the best way I know how, I receive you into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Make me brand new. I know you love me. Help me. To love you. Thank you, God. I now call you Father. With heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this room. Let me tell you what's about to take place. In just a few moments from now, Nathan's going to be here at the front. We're going to stand. They're going to lead us in the singing. And I, I know some of you are out there going, man, what about this six feet distancing? He's got a gator on. He'll put it over his, his mouth and uh, he'll make sure that he doesn't get in your space. We're not going to try to do anything to make it reckless inside this room. But I know the power of Jesus can change anyone's life. And if he can bring power back, if he can bring life back from the grave, he can give you enough boldness to follow after Christ. There's also going to be an altar open. Maybe just you and your, your spouse, maybe you and a friend, maybe just come pray at this altar and say, man, I'm just going through some things. I, I know I'm a follower of Christ. I've just kind of lost my focus. I've lost my faith of where it needs to be in 2020, my goodness, so many things have, uh, have happened. Uh, during this time also, I know that there's some who are probably watching online or maybe you're at home and you're going, man, I can't respond uh, publicly. Well, you know what I love about this church is how they go the extra, extra step. And there's a, there's a number you can text if you'd just like to have someone talk with you or have some resources available to you. If you'll text to the number 55498. It's one word, help me. You can't, don't split it up. If it tries to autocorrect you, just kind of go back and hit the left-hand portion where it's one word, help me. If you'll text it to that number, you'll be directed to a website where you can download some resources, fill out the information, and maybe Nathan or somebody from this church will get in touch with you and talk to you and help you through this. We're not going to sell your name over the Internet. We're not going to have people come up and invite, uh, knock on your door. We just want you to know somebody cares. In a world of people, people who don't care about anything, don't run from the people who care about you. So that number is 55498, one word, help me. But for those in this room this morning, you've got the extra added opportunity to be able to step out, to have that human touch. Maybe to have this altar set and why, why Jason's going to be leading us in this response song. This morning, will you just say yes to Jesus? Will you not worry about your image? But ladies and gentlemen, let's focus on our integrity this morning. As God speaks to our heart, let's be responsive to Him. And we're going to pray right now. After we pray, Jason's going to lead us this morning. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing. God, I pray that you have spoken to hearts across this room that will say yes to you, will follow in your direction. And God, I pray so mightily. We believe in the power of your Holy Spirit as you draw people to yourself. Men, women, boys and girls who came this morning, I pray for the altar. I pray for those who need to be saved. God, do it in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this response song, I Surrender All.
softly and I, I know you're going man what in the world are you doing don't you know this is the invitation time I understand I've been Baptist a long time and I man there'd be a time when I'd walk off and go man Lord you're gonna speak to them and especially during this pandemic I, I I usually ask people to look over beside the person and say if you'd like to go forward I'll go with you but I understand we're in different days but still this is when God's speaking to people and and you may be standing there going just a few moments I'll get out of here but you know I've realized um Life's too short not to care about people. Life's too short not to care. Jesus changed my life. He frees me up to care about other people. And we didn't bring you here to put a notch on somebody's spiritual belt. We all need Jesus. You may be standing there right now going, man, I, you don't know what I'm walking through. Maybe just the touch of a friend. Now, so here's what we go. Can't, can't talk to people and, and, man, everybody's so, you know, I don't want to freak anybody out. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, I just want you to look over to the next person. Don't touch them. Look over to the next person. Give them a, give them a, like that. That's, you know what that's signifying? I'll go with you. I'll go with you. If you'd like for me to go with you, I'll go with you. I'm not going to touch you. I'll go with you. And if they look at you and they do like this, why don't you just go? It could be a friend looking over to a friend. It could be a parent looking at a child. could be a spouse looking at a spouse. could be a child looking at a parent. I can't tell you how many thousands of people we've seen come to Christ because somebody just simply said, I'll go with you. Again, maybe they're not going to touch you. Do you know what they're about to do? They're going to look over at you and they're going to go. It's going to be your opportunity. I don't know how this is going to work. I, I'm going to tell you, I, I've, I've struggled with this because I, I just believe that real friends bring friends to Jesus. Real friends bring friends to Jesus. Somebody right now is going to do the best they can. They're going to give you that nod. Why don't you just kind of go like this, and that's one step. I know the first step's tough, but the second step would be the easiest one you'll ever take. Be for salvation. For some of you, it's for your marriage. For some of you, it's for your health. For some of you, it's just, man, the, the, the fatigue that has set in on this year. The altar's open. Nathan's here at the front. I'm going to count to three. We're all going to give our nod. Here we go. Let's see how this works. Never done this before in my life. Here we go. One, two, three. I'll nod you. Would you sing for us, Jason? Let's sing one more time. You come right now. Come to Christ. Oh, to Jesus I surrender. On the at His feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all. Take me, Jesus, take me now. I surrender all. I surrender all. 
heads are bowed, I'm just going to ask the pianist to play, and that is only so I can remember to invite those of you who have a cell phone, even if you're in this room and you go, man, I just couldn't come forward. If you just take your cell phone out right now and text 55498, one word, help me, one word. Don't put a space in it, help me. You'll be directed to a downloadable resource that will help you with your walk in Christ, help you through troubled times. We'll make sure you get your response. 55498. Father, thank you so much. We praise you for what you're doing, what you have done, and what you will do. Lord, we pray that you just continue to walk us through these days. I thank you for a pastor like Nathan. I just pray your hand will rest upon him. Lord, I pray that you'll increase the, uh, the platform for Bethany Baptist Church. Lord, I pray that you protect him. We know that no weapon formed against us will ever prosper. Lord, I pray your blessings to be upon this church. I pray for the people in this congregation, those who are in attendance and those who are at home watching online. God, will we this next week see you supernaturally show up and show off in our lives for your glory. Help us not to hoard the gospel. Lord, there's so many people who are searching for hope. May we be a beacon of light in a very dark world. We'll give you the praise and glory for it. And we pray our prayer in the name that is above every other name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Pastor Nate.